Welcome to the Hermit Podcast. This is where we talk about questions about meaning and religion. Um, today, in this uh, week's episode, we are with I'm with my students, and we are looking at the question of uh, omniscience and free will um, as it relates to um, what Boethius thought about uh, thought about this this question. So we're going to have a um, we're going to have a bit of a debate and discuss the question of whether um, Boethius was successful in defending God's foreknowledge and its compatibility with human free will. So we've got um, the first group are going to start us off uh, telling us about um, how the, 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 they think Boethius was successful and then we'll have some challenges from uh, the next group. Essentially, Boethius believes that God doesn't know in advance the choices we will make as there's no such thing as in advance for God and um, that as all things occur for him at the exact same time. And, um, oh, fuck, every second, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Alright, so, in other words, God doesn't know, there's no such thing as, it, as in, there's such thing as in advance for God because he's outside um, our conception of time, essentially. Because for God, everything occurs to him simultaneously, past, present, and future. He He's not like, what we what he sees isn't what we have to do. What he sees is us making our free decisions. Like what he sees is us doing things of our own accord. Him seeing that doesn't affect like the future. He's just he's just in the future, past and present. It's basically everything necessary. Okay, so just just to summarise then, so. Uh, the view of uh, this group is that Boethius is successful and really they've just explained that essentially what the way that God sees everything is from advantage of eternity and so therefore if God is seeing things from eternity um, he's not seeing his present moment is not like our present moment because his present moment can encompass the whole of time in one single glance so Boethius talks about the whole of time is present to God simultaneously okay um, and therefore if that's the case then God's knowledge is not like our knowledge um, God's knowledge is is sort of radically different really from our knowledge so that's the explanation of how we're able uh, God is able to uh, to see the future and that means that if God can see the future but our free will is completely unaffected by this that means that also God can punish us or reward us um, justly because it means that God um, is actually punishing a free action. If, if God was making us do something, then he wouldn't, be, um, he wouldn't be able to really justly punish or reward us because he was making us do the thing. But because Boethius thinks that he has preserved God's, um, our free will and preserved God's omniscience at the same time, then that means that he's able to say that God can justly reward and punish. So um, what we'll do is we'll hand it over to the opposing team to see if they have, first of all, we'll see if they have any questions um, relating to what we've just said. We'll move on to the, uh, their talk. So do we? So, so what we've got here. I don't know if we want to respond to this this team, but 
this the we're getting the the Swinburne um, uh, attack on Boethius is basically that we there's he can't make any sense of this idea of God being outside of time and yet being able to um, uh, and and see the whole of time at once because for Swinburne there's you can't see all of time simultaneously because simultaneous means at one time and all of time is not at one time it's spaced out into different chunks. So for Swinburne, it's, it's just a contradiction in the language here, and he says that this is incoherent. Uh, it's not possible to support this, um, and uh, and so Swinburne argues for an everlasting uh, version of God rather than a classical timeless spaceless God. Is that would that be fair to say what you are kind of that would be your challenge? Yeah. Yeah. What? I mean, anything in this conversation, it just depends whether you have a traditional or a modern view of God. That's good, isn't it? And um, it seems that nowadays we've got more people heading towards the modern view. So like Nelson Pike uh, agrees with Swinburne saying that it's um, against the God of the Bible. And he would also argue that he's actually everlasting. Yeah, yeah, that's worth pointing out, isn't it? That the, we, the, if we, as long as we have that framework, that idea that there's different there are different um viewpoints about god behind the this whole argument so it's not that modern theologians are, are atheists when they're disputing against Boethius. it's actually they do believe in god but they believe in and yeah so there's the nature of god is is different he, he's existing in time so nelson pike you pointed out would say that there's never is that correct he's an everlasting god he's able to see what happens in time because he's in time okay um any any other things to do you want to go through your what you yeah yeah oh. do you want to respond to <laughs> uh, i just want to respond to the thing about how in a biblical sense like if god's outside of time he can't interact with people but then um, and some kind of expanded on atheists and that god is not in time and space but time and space is within god so and because it's like within him he has control over them so if he has control over time and space, which is within himself, he could interact with people. He just can see all of them at the same time. Uh, that's a, a really nice um, response uh, there, the four-dimensionist approach of Anselm. We tend to think of God being outside of time and space, Aquinas' sense of like being on the top of the mountain and so on. But yeah, I think Anselm has got this wonderful view. It's more like God opens a space up within himself for time and space to exist, but the God is present in, we are present inside of God. <laughs> so uh, rather than it being the other way around. So, and that would then obviously be, everything is then within God. So then if God wants to interact with time and space, it's not a problem for me. He's not actually outside of anything. He, it's, it's all, it's, an in, it's internal to him. So, so that's Anselm's view. It's Anselm's four dimensionalist approach. So Anselm's view, um, Anthony Kennedy would disagree with this because this idea of God being simultaneously present is incoherent. It is not logical to say that all time is simultaneously present for God. This would mean multiple situations occurring at the same time, and this is a reduction and absurdity. Okay. Um, do we want to respond to that? I didn't hear it very well, but from what you're saying, he's kind of looking at it from a human point of view, he's saying that all this is absurd, but that's from his human point of view, and as God's like a higher power like a human perspective can't really be applied to him in that sense because mm -hmm. like obviously all things can occur to us at the same time but because 
obviously God isn't human, maybe they can all occur to him at the same time. So to just say it's absurd that it can't occur to him at the same time, in my opinion, is absurd. Yeah, good point. So you could say that begs the question, Kenny is begging the question there, if we're trying to use a philosophical term. The question really is, is that what does it actually mean for God to know anything? To And, uh, and obviously, given that this time, this space, this God that we're talking about would be radically different from us, our language couldn't really be expected to stretch and extend to 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 being able to describe that God very well. So it, it may be that Kenny is expecting too much of language. Uh, would, would we say he's maybe, he, Kenny's... Uh, putting too much stress or emphasis on what we can say about God with language. Um, yeah. Well. The way he's making this God so extraordinary and above humans, it's almost to the point that how are humans going to have any relationship with him when he's so far above our level and we can't even, you know, agree on the way of describing him and he can't even have the same time as us or anything. How are we meant to have any form of relationship or communication with him language is universal right so yeah so like if we're praying to god how can uh, if how can we ask god to do expect god to do anything if he's if he's basically essentially unchanging and immutable and outside of time and space then why are we bothering to pray to god is that and what you're saying if he's um with petitioning prayer if he's can see everything that we do but gives us our free will still so we can't change anything then it makes petitioning prayer pretty much useless and quite invaluable because anything we pray for is not going to be you know he already knows whether or not it'll be delivered and he won't change that yeah so why are we praying any, any response to that or... <laughs> so why, why bother praying if god already has a set plan he knows we can't really change god's mind that's what they're saying because god if we could change god's mind um, then it'd be like God wasn't perfect because he, it's like we <coughs> sort of reminded him of something that he needed to do to make, like if ultimately if you're praying to God, shouldn't it just be that God already knows what's the best thing for you? So if, if God's not giving it to you, then there's a reason he's not giving it to you. So why do we bother asking God for anything? Which I don't think is directly related to well, the Boethius problem, but realistically, <laughs> it's like as simple as if you don't ask, you don't get. Like maybe if you were to ask something, then you would get it. So it's make like it's worth the fact that you asked mm. because like mm-hmm. if I asked Henry for a drink and he gave me a drink, then if like I asked, so I got it. If I didn't ask, then he wouldn't give me one. Like, mm. but if I did ask, he might have said no. It's like you might be just asking God for something. He might give it to you. He might not. So it's always worth asking. Like might be like his plan might consist of you asking for something or if you don't ask him for something then you're not going to get it it's like all God's seen in God's grace saying that uh, God gave us grace but we need to use it in our lifetime to yeah good point yeah yeah yeah, that's so so yeah God gives us the grace I think both of these points are valid they're quite scriptural as well because the scriptures tell us that we we can ask god for things and we can get granted those things and and in the gospels it says um what father if he if his child asked him for bread would give him a stone you know so if you ask something (laughs) well a bad father clearly but god is if your own father who is who is not as good as god knows how to do this then how much more does god in heaven know scripturally we really are jesus tells us in the gospels that that um 
prayer and asking God are really important. And it may be that it's part of God's plan. I think this is what Tyler is saying. It's part of God's plan. His overall plan is he wants us to ask for things. He already knows, maybe he already knows what we're going to ask for. Well, he clearly does if he's omniscient. But that doesn't stop him being pleased by us asking it. Um, he is pleased if, if, if you're... You, you like to, when you love someone, you like to grant their requests for them. You love them, you like to grant their requests. It's something that you, it's something that you enjoy doing. So I can imagine that God as a loving father would, uh, would want to... We are straining the, the, the limits of our language here because we, we need to be careful not to be too anthropomorphic about, about the way in which we talk about God um, and yet at the same time, and preserve his, his holiness and so on. But at the same time, we need to have some kind of basis for talking about him as well. I don't know if that is... Uh, anything else we want to add? Well, a God who asks for things isn't necessarily loving. A God who asks or Who makes us ask for things. Who makes us ask for things. Because if he makes us ask for things, then we might be lacking goodness and a God who is all powerful and doesn't give us these good things is not necessarily as loving as a God who would give us these things so that okay. sort of goes against the idea of an all loving God would God given that God is working with a creation that's fallen so so he so this is God bear in mind that we're talking about in the Catholic view is that okay God is not dealing with with perfect creation because it, when he was dealing with Adam and Eve before the fall, it may it would have been different because they didn't need to ask for anything because they hadn't been given everything. But the situation, the human condition now is that we are radically deficient in many ways. We're we're lacking all sorts of things that we need, and it might be appropriate that part of God's plan is He realizes that we're gonna we're gonna bring about this world, this fallen world, through our own free will. Um, but that He is so loving that He that He allows us. It's part of his plan that he can he can use our requests to make this fallen world better by by granting us certain things maybe. So it, it, I don't think it necessarily affects God's omnibenevolence in the way that you're suggesting so much because I feel like it, it, it's a way that God has to deal with with the results of the fall. So. Yeah, but him being outside of time doesn't preserve his right. loving mm -hmm. because he can't. Yeah, so that's a that's a bigger problem. Is if God's outside of time, to how how does He do that? But I mean, if we if we if we're just using Aquinas and to say that there's some there's some analogy for the way we're speaking about God in terms of obviously when we're talking about God's timelessness, there it's not that He's totally separate and different from us. That He He can He He after all is the Creator. So if he created the world and he can be imminent in the world through miracles and through the incarnation, then surely he can also find a way to uh, interact with his creation through prayer and um, through modern miracles and so on. Um, yeah. Anything else? <laughs> Come to the end. Um, I don't know who, which side... One, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my point about Augustine just really top. Yeah, the Augustine was fantastic. It was all very good. Very strong points, points from both sides there. Um, so, Thank okay. You for watching.
we have uh, yeah we will we will do different topics in uh, different times i think um this has been a quite a um it's quite intellectual and it's quite abstract as well so maybe in a future episode we'll do some more kind of real life ethical based topics um, but I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of the Hermit podcast and um, hopefully we'll look forward to recording some more say goodbye guys bye bye bye, <laughs> bye. bye.